welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And joining me today, um, I've got a drummer who uh, is prolific in his craft. He gigs uh, normally uh, well over 100 times a year in the many projects he's involved in. Um, among his projects that he plays in are Buffalo Gospel, Derek Pritzel and the Gamble, Long Mama, Blind Fiction, The Hatchets, Matchstick, and Andrew Trim Trio. And he also has filled in with bands like Lady Cannon. Um, I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does. Nick Lang, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. <clears throat> You're very welcome, my friend. How are you doing? I'm um, just dandy, just dandy. Uh, properly caffeinated um, <laughs> and sitting inside. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's about it. The bright day. Very bright day today. It is a bright day. Yeah, and that's good. It's good. I mean, I know it's starting to get colder, so, you know, just soak up all that vitamin D while we can. So. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, what have you uh, What have you done today so far? Uh, I practiced for a couple hours. Well, practiced for like an hour. I'm trying to force myself to do that more because, you know, with this, all the shutdown, I took a couple, like, it felt like a couple months off of, like, touching the instrument. So I'm trying to just force myself to do something until I you know, get inspired. And today I was working on just like some metronome stuff on the drum set. Um, but then I've been working on like uh, mallet percussion again. And right now I'm working on um, learning this um, Wilco guitar solo. And oh, cool. uh, yeah, it's going really slowly. Uh, that guy plays a lot of, a lot of weird shit. So it's like, uh, thankfully someone wrote it all out. So I don't have to like figure it all out by ear, but uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a real, uh, real brain teaser for me, but it's, it's good. It's healthy. I like it. Awesome. That was actually my last concert before uh, COVID was Wilco. Um, that was the week, literally the week, right? The Monday um, at the Sylvie in Madison. Um, it was the Monday before everything shut down. And uh, Jeff Tweedy was making jokes about like, cause he had like a little cough and he was like, <clears throat> uh, I think I'm like a little sick. Yeah. It's not, hopefully not the virus though. And like everyone was laughing. Yeah, but like a week later, we're like, "Oh, shit! It's like not a joke anymore. <laughs> like it's the, everything is shutting down because of it." The oh shit moment for me was when they uh, shut down the NBA season. I'm like, "Oh, oh this is a a big deal." Then basically, uh, I found this out when I was teaching at NPS, and then like basically, I was done after like the next day after that. Cause they just bring me in a couple hours a week, but I'm like, "Oh, I guess I'm I guess I'm on summer vacation in March. Great." <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. I, I think it was, yeah, it was the NBA season as well as like, well, honestly, the first big thing besides that was canceling South by Southwest. Um, that was like more the beginning of March, um, which I was really bummed about because I was going to go with actual press credentials this year, um, but yeah, like it all just kind of like, avalanched so quickly and then next thing we know is like there's no cars on the road we are secluded um isolated and uh, very confused um i remember matt wild wrote a milwaukee record article about wanting to go out and scream yep. and uh, that could not have been a better articulation of just the existential dread when all this first started, you know? And I would say I'm basically like the internet explorer version of that. Like none of that really hit me hard until like, oh, maybe late July, August. That's when it started to really feel, you know, a lot of dread, you know, and stuff. But, um, and I mean, that's, you know, that that's just when like, as an artist, that's when it kind of set in and, you know, I just don't have, I didn't have much to say for a while, just to any people like family girlfriend didn't have much to say to anyone you know so yeah yeah i think everyone to varying degrees has been navigating like what they're feeling and when they're feeling it um, yeah. um i've definitely found um i have found solace in um you know still a really strong sense of community that's been built through whether it's the the various like social justice marches and actions that have been happening this summer or 
just the the surplus of music that people have been re releasing that has kept us busy over at Breaking and Entering, yeah. or in my personal case, resuming the show over Zoom here, um, it, that has been giving me like a, a sense of a broader sense of peace. I would like that I wouldn't have had like if I yeah. was just like sitting at home doing nothing. You know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're all having to adapt and just meet the universe halfway in the middle. And, you know, uh, the people that are having the, you know, the, well, people that are being like most reckless about it, uh, it's, it's making it worse for the other people that are really trying to, you know, adapt. Because this, I mean, the more we adapt, the more temporary it's going to be, hopefully. That's right. Yeah. We, we were talking about flattening the curve when this all happened. But then, a while. <laughs> right, then the bars all opened and then you see Water Street packed, Brady Street packed, like yeah. all the people that, you know, are going about their lives like nothing's happening, which sure, that is frustrating. But, frustrating, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion sure. and creativity. Sure. And uh, yeah, Nick, um, I think uh, the first time I met you was when you were filling in on drums for uh, a, a Lady Cannon. At Hacienda. Yep, yes. I remember that. that. Yeah, that was a very fun show. Um, that's that was, a yeah. one of my favorite bands in the city, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I uh, well, I uh, started checking out Martha's music um, through my buddy Devin Dropka, who usually plays drums with her. Um, Shout out to our boy. Devin, yeah, he's 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 a real treasure for mm -hmm. sure uh i was just uh we were just texting about just nerding out about shit we we usually do he was uh, here uh last week actually oh he did his last week yeah all right i can't wait to see everything he said about me no i'm just joking probably. yeah right. uh, so uh but uh yeah um uh, but i mean i just always thought her music has been just some of the most beautiful music I, i've i've heard being written in the city and it was like always one of those that's a band i would like to one day play with and then you know uh devin needed a sub and i was subbing with a lot of bands uh during that time and uh yeah i don't know um it'll, it'll be good to get those calls again one day but i mean it's it's um it's cool it's uh it's just um very lush very uh sometimes very ethereal but i think like with the band she has with um with people like devin barry and andrew trim uh, I know those two guys, um, but uh, bringing them in there kind of brings about, and like the, the cellist Pat Reinhold really brings about like this really experimental uh, uh, sort of tick that we're finding that I'm hearing in a lot of like um, like alternative and pop music um, these days. So it's uh, it's really cool. That second album or that that last album she just put out was was incredible. So good. There's yeah. so many songs on that record I still re revisit to this day and yeah it's it's a grand like chamber sound that she's elegantly crafted uh through that project so definitely big shout out to lady cannon sure um and then i'd start seeing you um at other gigs you know i saw you play with uh uh derek pritzel um when um whose birthday was it wasn't it your birthday was that in january at high dive yeah, it might have been actually on my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I do a Buffalo Gospel gig, they say it's my birthday because it is every time we do a show. Um, <laughs> but it was legitimately my birthday. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that was with, I'm glad we threw that one together. Um, I'm glad I put that. I mean, it's, I hate putting together shows. I'm, I'm just, I turn, even if it's like a show at, at a friendly, uh, friendly place like High Dive, it's just like, it's the most nerve wracking thing for me. So, yeah. But, yeah. It was a fun show. Um, I, it was my first time seeing Joseph Huber, also Man. one of the best songwriters in the city. Yeah. Easily. Um, also, he dropped Moondog, great record last year. Mm -hmm. um, but that Derek Pritzel gig was so much fun. Like, uh, you guys played like four encores or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been a really good band um, to put in the time with. Um, and I, um, you know, again, that, that was a band I just started subbing with. And um, the first time I met Derek was, uh, I actually had left a wedding. Uh, and, you know, I was 
feeling a little little tipsy, so I stopped at Art Bar to sober up because uh, I know they have like tea and stuff there. Uh, mm. But uh, Derek was doing a solo set, and uh, he played this song called Mill Home, and I didn't know Derek was from my neck of the woods. Uh, Mill Home is like where I around where I grew up, uh, and he was his he has family from there too. Where is that? Uh, I grew up in a town called Keele, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I stopped for gas in that in that town. <laughs> going up, yeah, going up north. Uh, it's right on, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, good. Uh, it's 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 got its moments. Uh, Keel does, uh, but yeah, I don't know. So then we started talking, and then a couple weeks later, we started. I started filling in because um, he had like this weekly residency, and I didn't know any of the music. And he's like, "Yeah, you'll figure it out." You know, he's just one of those guys, and. Um, Thankfully, he's just such a clear um, musician, and the rest of the band he had around him, you know, they just they communicate very well, and you know, God, the songs are just so damn fun to play. He writes just some very, very, very beautiful music. We have a record. I think it's. I think we're still getting it mixed. We've had a couple like versions of tunes come our way to hear, and I mean, it's just I I'm beyond excited there's one song on there that i think is the best thing i've recorded uh today oh, my favorite thing i've recorded so i'm excited to hear it oh that's fantastic i'm excited yeah. to hear that yeah. um it's good party music but it's also good music to like you know lose yourself in introspection to depending on what derek's writing sure um song by song um yeah. and i've also seen you with blind fiction around a year ago yeah. uh we did that breaking and entering show Yep. with uh will frang and the good line gang and blind fiction great guys great guys uh and i'm talking about will frang's group but uh, yeah. yeah blind fiction i've been i mean I've, I've known tim Wright. uh we went to uwm together and uh so he played saxophone then um but yeah i mean he had said like if i ever start a band i want you to play and i said yeah sure i'll do that and then like uh he held me to that uh at around 2014 um so we just started playing together. Um, uh, around that time, I was also in a band with called Tweed Funk. With mm-hmm. uh, and the bassist that's in Blind Fiction, Eric Madunik, was the bassist in Tweed Funk. So we had a lot of good rapport together as like you know as musicians and just as friends too. Um, so the thing about that band is that um, like we write very efficiently, and it's um, you know I think we're we're um, we communicate very well um and we just it's a it's a good hang the music's good and the hang is really good and since it's only three of us when we do shows when we do shows the money's usually fine like no one makes less than like a hundred bucks usually yeah. so for a two-hour gig or a two and a half hour gig fine i'm cool with that so that's that's that is a great synergy um great consistency yeah um and then i've also seen the hatchets um the hatchets were uh between two galleries when i saw them um you recall that one it was like a year ago too yeah uh was that um did we also do the show with long mama that night yes yeah okay. yeah. yeah yeah that was uh i i like that place a lot it's very elegant and quiet and yeah. uh, you know it's it's kind of a place that not a whole lot of the music scene really um is uh like are aware of like how you know quaint of a venue it is but once you see a show there like you want to see shows whenever they happen there because it's so peaceful but also gets good sound um and that was a good show and actually james sour was here yesterday so <laughs> i'm making the rounds man in the rounds it's good it's good yeah yeah that was a fun one um yeah, I remember uh, I used to play with, um, I did a couple shows with uh, this songwriter called, or her songwriter called, her name was Lizzie Altman. She was in the uh, Calamity Janes and the Fratney Street Band, I believe they were called. Um, but she, uh, we did like um, some duo shows and a couple trio shows. And for a couple of them, she had Justin open up for her. And I remember thinking that he's writing, writes really great lyrics and uh, I'd love to play with him someday. And, um, you know, I know, lo and behold, a couple of years later, we started playing some songs together. And then, um, you know, we put together like an EP. The EP was, was we were, we were called, the hell were we even called then? I think, oh, I think, because that band has so many different names. Uh, 
You know, uh, I think we were called Yahara at that point, and we put out like a four-song EP. Uh, it was great. I love I love the music he writes. Um, and then we record the full length, and that's one that you know he had a lot of. Um, he and the engineers, our engineers were um, Lawton Hall and yeah, Ian Olvera, and I think they all had um, some uh, uh, some artistic. Um, directions uh to kind of figure out on it so we waited for a long time i mean i don't want to say i forgot about it but all of a sudden uh i got some mix i'm like oh that's right <laughs> you know and it was like uh worth the wait i mean they i mean it's it's just such a hip record i think oh yeah so. yeah i'm excited to see what the band works on next um because that is another great rock band for sure um yeah man um well, we're talking about all these projects, Nick, but what we really have to uh, dig a little deeper with is um, I want to I'd love to hear a little bit about music in your life and how it kind of all started for you. Like, when did you start playing? Like, what were you into when you were younger? Well, my old man was a guitarist, uh, not like professionally. I mean, he was going to school at, um, I believe, when he was taking lessons or class or going to class at the conservatory, it might have been an accredited university at that time. Although I'm I'm not sure. This is just hearsay uh, through my grandma. Uh, my my dad passed away a number of years ago, so I can't call him and ask him. Uh, but anyway, uh, he played guitar, and you know his friends. He had like a band with some of his friends, so there was a drum set in the basement, and I would go downstairs and just play horrible drum solos on this. Uh, old 60s Ludwig Silver Sparkle kit that I did buy later uh, when I started actually playing drums. But um, yeah, I don't know, like, um, so dad also had instruments. Um, he was really into like classic rock and really into like, I mean, he proudly listened to solo Don Henley, which at the time I didn't care for. Uh, I, I like Don Henley now. But um, but then my mom, uh, my pa I, I grew up with divorced parents, and my mom had more of a finger on the pulse of like, what younger people were listening to. So she got me um, a Nirvana tape when I was five. And so she would routinely like, you know, show me music. And my stepdad's a musician too. And he was in an industrial metal band here in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. They were awesome. Uh, good stage show. And oh. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so those two, uh, my mom and my stepdad kind of hit me to stuff. Like they took me to see Marilyn Manson when I was 11, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. Still one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, uh, my mom got me drum lessons too. So my dad was very supportive and we had instruments to play on and, you know, we'd play together sometimes, um, which was always fun. Um, but mom got me lessons. So there was like structure and there was like a program for getting better. And, uh, one thing my teacher was always trying to tell me to do is just listen to everything, check out every single drummer you can just do it. So there's like plenty of magazines with like, I'd see all these, I wouldn't read the articles. I mean, I still sometimes don't do that, but I would look at all the pictures like this artist uses Yamaha drums. This artist uses, so I would like just, you know, we didn't have YouTube then. So I would just like, you know, try to find recordings of these guys and stuff. And some was cool. Some wasn't, um, you know, and um, I barely practiced. So I wasn't getting much out of it for like the first year because of my own, you know, um, fault i guess but um then some of my friends had a band and we were terrible but it was a lot of fun you know um i think um how i oh this was actually before lessons i'm sorry uh but um basically they needed a drummer and i had a drum set and i'm like i can audition i've never really played them before i mean i would just like i said just go and wail and play terrible drum solos and basically they said, you have to learn, we're going to learn this song today. And that's basically your audition. And it was, uh, it was song two by Blur. You know that one? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the woohoo song. That's what they call it in New York, apparently. But um, yeah, so it's like, all right, I'll, I'll figure this out. And I didn't have the coordination. I didn't use my kick drum. I just like, you know, it was like uh, Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground. I would just like <laughs> play, a, play a bass drum on my floor tom. And just, you know, kind of figured it out then. It was fine. You know, like, cool, works for us. And then, you know, we just, then I really was motivated to, um, you know, uh, then I was a little bit more motivated to learn. And then we started getting lessons. And then I eventually started practicing more. And just, I don't know, checking out a bunch of stuff. That's where, that's where it really started, I guess. Um, it's, it's, you know, not any unique story or anything. My parents liked music. My dad played a little uh, or a lot. Um, and then... Um, 
you know, I just kind of found my way to it. And, um, you know, um, and then I think um, I wanted to be a history teacher, really wanted to be a history teacher uh, coming out of high school. Um, but I don't know, I was taking classes and wasn't really, wasn't really digging it. And a buddy of mine from back home, um, now he lives in New York, he uh, was in a theater program. And he said, you should just go for music, dude. I'm going for theater. And I don't know when or if it'll ever pay the bills, but I mean, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, you know, put myself through hell for it. So I know you put yourself through hell for this. So then I, you know, just third year of college, I was a freshman again in UWM's music program and they didn't have like a drum set centric program. So it was, it's all classical mostly there, you know, and they do have composition, like a lot of modern composition. So there was like that very experimental edge there, which was cool to yep. check out. Um, but I had to learn how to play like, you know, xylophone and all that shit, or else I was going to not make it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's what brought you to Milwaukee was UWM. No, my mom's always lived in Milwaukee. My mom and stepdad uh, live like, uh, they live actually right around the corner. They found this house and told me about it. That's how I, that's how I live here. They found oh, it. That's but, pretty uh, yeah, handy. It, yeah, I know. Right. I'm like, Oh, how'd you find this? this is great. Where'd you, Oh, okay. It's right by your house. Yeah. <laughs> or elaborate plan, you know? <laughs> yeah. You want to know a funny story real quick? Sure. Um, so my, my sister and my brother-in-law, uh, live, they've lived in Ann Arbor for like six years. Um, uh, my sister went to grad school at University of Michigan. So my parents would visit them all the time and they realized they really liked Michigan. So they moved from Illinois and now live in Ann Arbor, 10 minutes away from uh, my sister. Um, but my dad works at a grocery store literally right around the corner from my sister now. So like yeah. it's uh, relocating uh, in proximity to your folks, the weird thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I don't know, like, I've, I've spent a lot of time in this neighborhood growing up, like, we would, you know, be with, uh, with uh, mom every other weekend, and uh, that's when the lessons were, um, you know, well, more importantly, that's just when we got to spend time with mom, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, you know, been kicking around this neighborhood for, I don't know, almost 30 years. Which neighborhood are you in? River West. Oh, dope, same, yeah. Yeah, nice, Where? Right, off, right off of Humble. Oh, Humble, Humbleton, like Burleigh. I'm by Gensland Elementary. Oh uh, yeah, okay. I'm uh, I'm on the other side. I'm off of North Ave uh, on Wheel. Nice. Um, kind of by Pick and Save. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, it's I like it because you know, on a on a given weekend, you can you like on like a Friday night, there'll be three shows or three things happening in River West, and you you have to like pick which ones you're gonna go to. But there are they're all going to be in walking distance because River West is so like tightly yeah. knit, and that's why what I love about this neighborhood for sure. That's yeah, that's the good thing about it, you know. Um, lot a lot of walkability, you know. Just go with a buddy, you know. Um, yeah. Like like any other neighborhood, really. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I like that about River West. Yeah, totally. So you um, so you got your uh, you studied um music in at uwm and then did i see you got your master's in indiana yep Uh, so in in a way i'm really glad i started uh music school late because in my third year music school i met my eventual uh professor at iu a guy by the name of steve houghton um and i mean yeah that was so and i drove him around and stuff so we you know i wasn't like wasn't playing anything that was blowing his mind uh at the clinics or concerts or anything um but, you know, uh, it was a good hang. So he remembered that, you know. And then when I went down to audition, obviously he remembered me. Because I think we saw each other the year after that thing, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I remember getting to IU. And as a grad, you think, like, like, by default, you're a grad student. You're one of the best players here, obviously. Not the case at all. I mean, it was like, um, you know, that whole small fish, big pond. This was like you know, a gigantic, you know, ocean, basically, that's, that's a, that school is a com- completely different animal, bigger school, a lot more students, so a lot more competition. But um, I mean, that was that school is the first ever collegiate jazz program, if I remember correctly. Oh, first cool. one. Yeah. Wow. And, and like, they're very famous for their, their opera program, they're very famous for 
like the the guy who wrote the music history books that we all use at all these schools he he's a doctor he's a like a chair of the theory department there or music history department i think but um i mean all these like it's a it's a heavy school it's a really heavy school um and everyone there is always going for competitions and you know they're writing things they're doing recording sessions with like famous people on the coast and a lot of clinicians come in and um everyone's really helpful there too i mean it's competition but like if you ask like you know how the hell did you do that which i asked a lot of the younger drummers i i would always ask the under the underclassmen like where did you get this idea like i've never heard anything like that before and they're like dude it's on this record on this record check this out and uh or we can just go into a practice room and hang i mean everyone everyone there was really willing to um lift each other up in a lot of ways at least that's what i experienced there you know so it was great it was uh so when i came back to milwaukee uh, I, I moved back to be closer to family um but all those gigs that I used to go to here that were so intimidating when I was in undergrad, like they made a lot more sense. I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. I could do that. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense to me. I could do that. It, it wasn't nearly as intimidating, you know? Yeah, definitely. You, you kind of like, um, you sort of just like built that self-awareness of like where you can naturally and organically mesh with different groups and stuff. And a more important thing that I think, um, I'm I'm trying to definitely tap into like this year uh, is like, you know, if I'm like a 25 year old grad student and, you know, I am, if I'm, if I'm not as musically aware as like, there was like a kid who was like a sophomore, he was like 19 years old or something, this kid named Ben, uh, now he's out in LA and he should be, he's amazing. Um, but I mean, he, you know, hearing all this high level playing already as undergrad, versus like, you know, the seasoned, you know, already getting gray hair uh, grad student who didn't have a, didn't have a fucking clue, pardon my French, you'd think that would be like really like demoralizing and feel bad about it. And, but, you know, that didn't last more than like, um, more than like a day or like maybe like, maybe like, well, a month or two. Uh, it, it really kind of told me like, well, I mean, I didn't know about any of this stuff, but I learned it now. Okay. Yeah. I learned it now. And it's, this is when I learned this stuff. And, you know, I just never got, I never got discouraged, you know, and it's like, it's, it's really about, it's, you know, uh, it, it taught me to be comfortable with where I was, but all is like, but also to like have a goal in mind and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel bad about what I couldn't do. Uh, oh yeah, totally. You know, so yeah. So that was like, you know, that, that was, that was cool, you know, and uh, it's, uh, in talking with like, I think Devin and I were talking last week about like, um, just some issues I've been having in the practice room. And he's like, well, dude, just like, why do you want to work on that? Like, you know, is it, is it the music you love playing? I mean, is it someone else's standard? Like, you know, don't forget your ethos as a player. So, or what's important to you as a human being either. So, yeah, most definitely, man. I, I, I resonate with those sentiments immensely. I'd say a, you're, you're always a student to what you do. Know, and uh, you can be you know, literally a prodigy, but still like be figuring out new things you can do. And, yeah. and also like, you know, I, I, I like what you said about how, even though someone might be older, but still, you know, acquiring these new skills or just getting started on something new, like that is totally okay. I mean, I, I interviewed Beaumont, like probably like a year ago. Yeah. And, um, he, he didn't touch a guitar until he was like in his twenties, sure. you know, like, and he became, you know, a fixture in the country scene, you know, over time. And, uh, and that's the same thing with like Martha also didn't start writing music until much later too. And I even like, I'm 24, going to be 25 soon. And, uh, Baby, holy cow. yeah, well, yeah, I, I have, you know kind of a, a realization i had um just from being so like immersed in like local music is like man this is kind of making me want to like maybe like get started making some music one day like i don't know what i would do but i think it would be something i would latch on to become invested in have fun with really enjoy like the collaborative process and learning, but, but like that might not be, I might not be ready to do that for years, you know, like it's, it might just kind of have to be 
one of those things where it's like, okay, do I have time in my life for like, I'm ready to like, really get down to like learning this. I mean, and even, and I love that, you know, that you can be, you know, you can, uh, as you're getting older and older, like just make time and uh, find um, ambition to just keep learning new creative outlets or learning new skills or reading up on new um, theories. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's all, I mean, it's always like, it's great, you know, if like you grew up knowing you wanted to, to do this, but at the same time, like, you know, most, I think that like most creatives that really like look at the world in a certain way, like they don't want to just stick to one thing for like their entire lives. Like eventually they're going to want to like, like, for example, if you're a musician, maybe you want to start taking up photography one day. Maybe you want to take up drawing. Maybe you want to take up, you know, cooking, you know, it's like you can, uh, there's, you know, there's a beauty to the multifacets and, uh, and you're never too old um, and you can never have too much. You can never let your pride stop you from being a beginner at something. No, for sure. And I think like, you know, um, like they say with musicians, like if you start by learning piano, it's much easier for you to learn any other instrument. But I think if like, I mean, any sort of like hobby that like you have, I mean, a hobby or profession, you know, um, if you learn some if it gives you some sort of structure if it gives you some sort of learning process if it gives you some sort of strategy um <clears throat> and it kind of opens you up to new cultures and you're just you know open to that uh you know it's like that those common threads of dna kind of work for other things like cooking like cool i'm gonna cook some uh some spanish food or i'm gonna cook some uh or i don't know or i'm gonna indian food or indian Chinese food. Sure. Chinese food, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, all this. Um, so I mean, like, real good. Uh, I mean, like, it's those tenets, like, from, from art and from music, especially, it's like it, it really, uh, if you allow it, it kind of opens you up, uh, to how, how big the world really is. And it really, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's made me at least a little bit more of, um, um, open minded person, you know, but yeah. going back to it, like, you know, you can apply any of the tenets, uh, from, learning something like a musical instrument to any of these other um any of these other things that you talked about you know yeah totally yeah like um you know and that's sort of like that's also kind of the beauty of like sort of detaching ourselves from the individualistic culture that has been indoctrinated into us like yeah. you know and instead embracing you know more collective uh schools of thought of like sharing skill sets and ideas and being open-minded to experience rather than that insular idea that like, oh, I know how to do one thing. I'm going to stick to that one thing because it's what I know. And that's what my life is going to look like. Yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, and the collaborative thing, that's kind of like, you know, that's been like the, the crux of why, you know, why this year started being hard for me as an artist, because like, I'm not a writer. I don't, I don't, write music really i've written maybe four pieces my whole life they get performed once or twice and that's it they mm -hmm. don't get recorded unless think you know it's at like a recital at school and like you know mom has a camera or something but other than that like it's just that's not been my forte and like you know it's it's kind of put on us like well you know if you want to be a musician you gotta be able to teach you gotta be able to play you better be able to write and i'm like okay i mean i could teach and i could play but man if i if i write it's gonna be I'm not, I'm never really inspired to write, but when it comes to like, um, what I bring to the table, like, um, with, um, you know, obviously if someone writes a song, you know, coming up with like an appropriate drum part for me, I, I get a little, a little, um, insane about it sometimes. Um, because like, I think about a lot of, um, a lot of things like I got to find like an appropriate groove first and foremost. But then it's got to like adhere to like the structure of the song, like how how long the sections are, introduction, verse, and then you go 
deeper into that, like, you know, what are you hearing sonically? Are there like, everyone's playing like long sounds? Are they all short, punchy sounds? Are there rhythms I'm, I should be also like mimicking? Um, what's the bass line? What's the instrumentation? Is it all electric instruments? Is it all acoustic instruments? Is it just a singer and a keyboard? So that kind of tells me like um, beyond like the groove I'm going to play and how I'm going to articulate, it also tells me like which drums and cymbals I'm going to use. And um, I mean, that's the, you know, that's, um, that's based on just like, you know, all the music I've been listening to. Like I just listen to a lot of studio drummers. Those guys, like you ever listen to that album Wildflowers by Tom Petty? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's just, um, I mean, that's just like, a, as far as like drummers playing for songs, Steve Ferroni uh, is the main drummer on there. Um, I think Ringo Starr is on a track too, and it's great. And I think uh, Jim Keltner is on a track too. But you listen to, between all the different songs, I mean, they're, they're choosing different snare drums, they're choosing different cymbals, they're choosing different sticks, and they're playing things different ways. And it's the... Um, the same thing on um, the album Continuum by John Mayer. I hated John Mayer for such a long time. I shit on him so much when I used to work at Subway in high school because that's all I ever heard. Um, worst two months of my life. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, you listen to that album Continuum and Steve Jordan's playing different shit on every single song. And it just, it's emotional. It's emotionally invested, you know. And that's what, you know, that's, those are like the the pieces of the puzzle that are all kind of turning in my in my head when I'm writing a part for someone else's music. Oh yeah, yeah. I might be butchering his last name, but do you know uh, Dave Shepke? Absolutely, uh, I know Dave Shepke. Dave Shepke. Oh. I've known Dave Shepke since I started playing drums. Twenty. Oh years. hell yeah, yeah. Um, well, we just uh, covered his uh, new record, Tessellated Resonance. Um, I, I gotta check it out a little bit more, yeah. dude. But yeah, like he he like had like a different kit configuration on like every song and it's just it's all drum it's all drum kit pieces and compositions and such a like avant-garde uh, approach to like centering the percussion is like the main thing yeah. um, versus you know versus rhythm and uh another great artist that does that is john mueller um, oh yeah also his sets are absolutely like so mind-boggling <laughs> like so interesting man um but he also does that where he's like centering the percussion is like the 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 focal point um yeah and it's like um yeah i mean it's the percussionist role is it, it goes beyond just like making the beat and in well in groups like blind fiction uh since we write we, I mean, Tim brings in an idea, but we write the song together. I usually throw a lot of weight around when it comes to like arrangement of the song and like roadmap of the song. Like we should add, add a couple bars here. We should go back to this section here. We should do this and that there. Um, and uh, I, you know, that, that goes only so far as like roadmap and some like dynamic things. I don't give advice when it comes to like vocal harmonies, man. No one needs that uh, for me. Yeah. Um, do you, do you sing at all? No, I do have relative pitch, though, uh, for the most part. I used to study timpani, so I used to have carry a tuning fork with me, and so I memorized for a, a good long while, I memorized um, a, a pitch. But if I hear a pitch, I could probably sing it back to you. Sure, gotcha. Um, tell me about uh, Buffalo Gospel, how you gotten in uh, cahoots with them. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I met, uh, how I got in, involved with them was through Chris Porterfield, actually. Um, I was in this band for a long time called The New Seven. And um, you ever heard of them at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, Tony Smith, I I miss him dearly. I mean, he's like lives in Milwaukee. But um, anyway, uh, he was writing, you know, we, we did it. We were doing like um, a So Far Sounds show. And, um, and um, you know, Chris Port. I never met Chris Porterfield before. Um, but he was like the headliner that night. So we, we were talking throughout the night. Uh, a great dude and he said you know I, I, I might know a band that's looking for a drummer um, so let's uh, let's keep in touch and then so that's how I found my way to uh, Buffalo Gospel and um, you know I like I, I checked out some of like their EPs and stuff and I guess the stuff I was checking I didn't have any drums on it so I was like I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do but okay um, so then they gave me a list of songs um, to learn like just four or five songs cool I can do that um, 
But um, what I uh, was in the habit of doing at the time was, one, bringing too much shit to a lot of gigs. Like, I'd bring a lot of shakers and auxiliary percussion stuff because those are the drummers I was really checking out in those days. So, um, and also when I was learning the tunes, I'm like, cool, should I learn the part verbatim? Or should I just put a little bit of like Nick Lang energy in there? Like what I would do. I did, I did that, you know? So I like, I learned what was written or what, I mean, what was like recorded, but then I always, I added little different things, how I heard them just to kind of be a little bit honest, you know, in, in that and just to see what happened. If they didn't say anything, great. If they said something change, I mean, I don't have any problem with that. Um, but yeah, I mean like, um, I think the first song we ever rehearsed was a song called Hill Outside My Home and just, you know, within five seconds of just like hearing uh, Ryan sing, I'm just like, oh shit. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was, it was a different thing entirely, you know, and, um, you know, we played, played the songs and it was like, hey man, it sounded really great. Yeah, let's just, let's just do this again. Cool, cool. And, um, you know, we, also Ryan kept sending us like, just like demo tracks and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. This is like, you know, other songs they had and stuff. I didn't know these were brand new songs. And uh, one of them was a song called uh, High Time to Hang Fire, which is a very, very sad song about um, um, uh, a friend, a friend of the band's that had passed away. And I was like going through some shit at that time, too. Um, not like that, but just like, you know, I, I, had, I had stopped seeing someone. And uh, so that song just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, it was like it was the, the worst but best time to like try to sit down and learn that one. Um, but uh, what a beautiful song. You know, it is a really yeah. I, I listened to that one uh, before we started recording, and it is a viscerally emotional song. The 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 whole album is yeah. It's all the songs. I mean, it's 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 just such beautiful uh, music, and it's it's just it just sounded so real and like like just unlike any any. I mean, I love all the bands I'm with, but I mean, this was like a, a different a different thing for me at that time. You know. Um, but um, yeah, and then we did the first show at uh, Anodyne, and there was like I don't know, like two hundred and twenty people there or something, and it was mm -hmm. it was great. And that that hour and a half we played went by like like nothing, and you know, and so they you know asked me to be like the full time guy after that. And six months later, we recorded that album on the first bell, and um, you know we did that up in Eau Claire. I mean, they, they, um, our engineer. Um, and Brian uh, put it. Brian Joseph put us up for the weekend, and it was cool because I had like we had like I had pretty bad phone reception up there, so I you know couldn't really you know lose myself in my phone. So it was uh, it was cool just to be present and just be there the whole time. And um, yeah, it was um, really 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 great writing process. Awesome. So yeah, um, for sure. Uh, yeah. Y'all uh, toured last year, yeah. Toured a couple times. We went. Uh, we went out west um, uh, in April. We went to uh, Colorado, Denver. Never been before. Cool. Uh, yeah, cool city. Cool city. We drove. I've always wanted to go myself. You'll you'll get there, man. You'll get there. I believe in you. Thanks, uh, Nick. <laughs> um, but uh, that was a cool little week long run. Um, we couldn't bring our guitarist Andrew Koenig with us. Um, who I'm in three bands with. Um, more on him in a minute, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, went as a four piece, um, played a lot of great rooms. Um, uh, I don't know, just it, it was a good hang on the road. And then in June, the full band got to um, open up on a tour for the record company. And Chris Voss is from Milwaukee. Um, so there's, you know, connection for, uh, for us there. And uh, that was fun. It was a, it was a, that was a, we, we, I don't, I mean, we did, we, I mean, everyone just played their asses off that whole weekend, you know, and uh, it was cool just to play to a bunch of new people who had never heard us before. And, um, yeah, you know, Certainly. great. Yeah. What's uh Buffalo gospel, uh, working on now? Um, well right now, uh, I mean, we, we had, we did a couple shows in January. Um, we were working on some new music, recording some new music. Um, but then, um, and COVID happened, uh, you know, so we, uh, we had like a tour, think in the spring that got pushed back to fall and then just got entirely um but blue ox did uh blue ox festival in eau claire did a series of streaming concerts where it was very minimal attendance maybe i don't know like 
not even 10% of what they normally have. Uh, I can't do that, man. I, I can't do the virtual or the social distance shows like that because it's not, you know, it's it's just like it dilutes it for me personally, but I still respect people that still do like the virtual streams and stuff like that. Yeah, that was like, uh, that was a real good shot in the arm though for uh, for me. Um, we, you know, because I didn't rehearse with people for my, and like me, what I like doing is playing music with other people. Like, like I said, I don't do any sort of solo composition or performance at all. Uh, it's just, I mean, that's just not what I do. Um, but like, um, I think we had a, we had that one show and, uh, you know, I'm glad we did the, the sound check. It was like, that was, you know, that was a good chance to kind of like, you know, see if you were going to like, if I was going to start fucking bawling, you know, on stage. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple moments I'm like, ah, 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 you know, but then that got worked all that out in the sound check. So then we did the show. We just, we just had fun. It wasn't, you know, um, I, I don't know. You know, I think everyone's like, well, no, made a couple mistakes there. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I made a couple too, but man, it just felt good to just play these songs with you guys again. You know, it was, it was really great. We had a couple, a similar thing with, with Derek. We rehearsed in a backyard and, you know, it was a nice summer day and it was cool because it was out in like St. Francis where our, our harmonica player lives and like his neighbors were all kind of hanging on their backyard. So it's like we had a little bit of an audience and one of the neighbors gave the band whiskey, but uh, I don't drink right now. So, I mean, I'm like, oh, you, you know, thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, someone else take it. Um, but, you know, playing all that music, um, it was uh, it was I was getting some chills. I mean, it was like, fuck, I've missed the shit out of this. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's it it makes you it's um when this is when that's like such when you know what what you do and love doing is is something that just exercises all those emotions and endorphins for you it 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 helps every other aspect of your life you it know? does yeah you know when people tell you like you look happier like when people tell you that yeah um and it's like the most warming one of the best compliments you can get yeah that's like kind of the feeling of like doing something like that, you know, of uh, yeah, something that you draw such just immense pleasure and joy yeah. uh, with. It just means everything to you and you get yeah. to do it again and you just look at everything in life differently. Absolutely. No, it, it, it yeah, it felt, it felt, um, um, it, I don't want to say I felt human again because uh, I, I always going to feel human, I guess, but that just, you know, that was uh that was good, like, you know, uh, just replenishing the system a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, t tell us a little bit about uh, Long Mama. Um, Andrew and uh, Kat were on the show about a year ago. They uh, We drank some alcohol in the basement of my old house. Nice. So, um, that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, we'd love to hear what, uh, your story with them. Uh, I mean, you know, working with Cat is like, um, it's just like any of the songwriters, uh, like, you know, I, I, that I, that I work with, uh, like Justin and Derek, it's like, um, she used to play in this band called, uh, the flood County, County cat and the flood. Um, and she was working in the band with this guy, Matt Reby, um, uh, Cole Heinrich and, uh, Kevin Marr, uh, played bass or drums that guy did both he did a lot of stuff he was really a renaissance man um but uh and um uh, it was you know it was a good band and the thing i like because eventually they used to be just called heinrich davis and the flood but eventually they brought in cat wilkie oh grant goodman played drums yes grant played drums uh yep good man good cook um but um you know uh the songs that cat wrote were the ones that really really stuck with me and then they had um like an EP, we started talking um, at like Art Barn stuff because I went to school with Matt Reby uh, at UWM and Cole too, and, and Kevin for that matter, and Grant. Actually, I went to school with the whole band. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so we would start talking at like Art Barn shit, and uh, and I think um, you know I said one day I'd love to play some music with you sometime, you know. And she said, Yeah, sure. Um, and then um, when uh, the Flood stopped playing shows, it was just her and Matt playing shows together or just playing music and. I learned their EP and um, it was like, those are all songs Long Mama still plays. And I'm just like, oh, good God. I mean, she has such a beautiful voice. She writes such beautiful music. And I mean, come on, 
you know and um yeah and then um then her and andrew started playing together and um you know and we started playing as a three-piece and then we added a bassist and then um our friend gavin uh who lives in new york now um but uh yeah i mean i don't know it's it's just another easy band to fall into because it's another it's another andrew koenig experience for me so yeah. love an andrew koenig experience very much there's something everyone should go through one uh <laughs> i don't know what that means but anyway yeah, I, no, it, yeah. yeah. what was that I was going to say I went through it when I had him in my basement drinking um, <laughs> and it is um, it's a it's a whole ball of fun for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, now nah, he's I mean, he's just one of the greatest guitarists I've ever played with. You know, I mean, he brings such a mature vocabulary, um, such a, you know, just a unique sound to his playing, too. I mean, it just belies all the crude jokes and you know, inappropriate text he sends me. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so uh, are you guys uh, working on a new material as well? We recorded in winter. Um, and uh, I mean, we recorded at our uh, at our friend Eric Koskinen's uh, studio up in um, Minnesota. Um, and it's I mean, it's it's a it's always a good hang. Eric's amazing. Great, great songwriter. Amazing songwriter. And just like great presence in the studio, um, and um, it's a nice sounding room. Uh, don't know what else to say. So yeah, we spent the weekend up there and got uh, got the whole album in the can, uh, at least um, bed tracks at the very least. Um, I've heard some mixes since then, um, but it's uh, it's going to sound really nice when it comes out. Fantastic. Yeah, love to see that. Um, and then I guess that leads us to uh, Andrew Trim Trio. Andrew Trim Trio. Andrew Trim uh, is, uh, you know, Martha's guitarist and just a great guitarist. He was, uh, I used to see him when he'd come through town. He used to live in Chicago and he had this uh, group called uh, the Dim Lights Trio. I went to see him because Devin was in the band, you know, and I just, you know, always try to check out his, his shows whenever I can. And, um, but I remember Andrew was just like, I, I picked up a CD, I had to, uh, and it was, it's interesting because I could hear like, like folk, I could hear some country, I could hear a lot of avant-garde. Um, it was just like this nice um, uh, hybrid uh, melting pot of all these things that I loved individually that were all just kind of playing together. Um, and then he moved here, um, you know, uh, it's, it's great. Cause you know, then he was playing in Martha's group and I think, man, I forgot what it was. I think I was doing a show with Kaylee Conway, we were playing in Wauwatosa. And this was right, yeah, this was right before a trip I had. And and uh, he came to check out the show. And, you know, it was another one of those, like, man, we should play some music together sometime. And uh, I said, I had started saying that to a lot of people, and we never played music together. But Andrew, like, Trim really held my, uh, really held me. He's like, I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, cool. Let's figure it out when you get back from wherever you're gone. Let's, let's, let's figure that out. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. And uh, then I think, uh, I don't know if I hit him up the next week or he hit me up, but like it was, it was a pretty persistent affair, which was, which is good. I mean, I need, sometimes I kind of need that fire lit under my ass like that, you yeah. know, um, like a bill collector or something. Um, don't have those kind of problems, but you know, um, but he, uh, you know, he had like a bunch of music already written and, uh, you know, um, since he was already playing with Barry, uh, I mean, it was, Barry was an obviously uh, an amazing choice. Uh, and Barry and I had played a couple shows together. We did a couple unrehearsed things. Um, I missed that series. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we just started rehearsing and, um, then, uh, we found our way to a, uh, pretty regular gig at Venture Brewing. Uh, yeah, it's, man, like not only great coffee, but great beer. You know, it's, it was, what a, I've never it, been, I have to go. Uh, it's great. Seriously, you have to go. It's it's incredible. And the guys that run it, uh, Simon and Rob, are, are, are amazing human beings and just hilarious dudes. And they make great coffee and beer. I mean, what else what else uh, could you ask for? Um, but it's cool because like they, you know, I don't want to say they took a chance on us, but like they have like an experimental jazz trio, you know, every, I guess, one Sunday every month. And, you know, they guaranteed us at least 50 bucks a piece, you know, for about an hour and a half of playing that's 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 super cool it gives us it gives us a place to live you know it's nice yeah 
Oh yeah, man, that's exciting. Um, yeah, we also, recorded. we also recorded. Uh, we recorded an album in July of last year. Um, yeah, so we're I think still mixing that, and um, we'll put it out eventually. We have a show I, next week. Actually, we have a show next week. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's a streaming show. God, I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I I don't have the events uh memorized shit um i'm really really dedicated uh this this, w- this won't be out by then anyway but oh, okay well okay well uh it was a great show i'm sure uh, no. <laughs> uh <laughs> right. we're just playing at like some school in waukesha um jason goldsmith a great uh saxophonist uh in town um uh just killer musician i think he's been putting on the series like jazz on tuesdays i think it's called um but uh yeah we're really Really, so that's my last show for the year, and I'm I'm excited. I I can't wait. Cool. Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, with all these projects, um, I think you talked a little bit about in your Milwaukee Record interview, but um, like, do you feel like you're kind of like a yes man with like so many different projects? Um, I mean, it's it's about you know, it's every one of those situations, like if it's a band you're in or it's a band you're subbing in, it's, it's a lot of it's about like the relationship and like what your role is in that band. Like if you have more stake, like a band like Blind Fiction, you can throw a lot of weight around. I, I do throw a lot of weight around that group. Um, mm. And, um, but if it's a band I'm subbing with, um, you know, if they have a particular way they like things done, if they have any sort of notes, if they don't say anything, great. You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm saying, yes, I will do your gig and yes, I will learn your music. You know, I'm never going to show up unprepared. I never, ever show up unprepared for a rehearsal. I take it very seriously. Um, but like, you know, if they have like suggestions, um, I think I was playing with, I think I was just rehearsing with one artist. I forgot who it was. Uh, they were really particular about the, re- about the drums being right, re- just like they were on the record. And it took me a minute to kind of, you know, get off my own soapbox. I'm like, oh, well, you know, just, he's the boss. Yeah. Play, play, if they, if they're, if they're hiring you, they're hiring you for who you are, but also just just play what's on the fucking record. <laughs> you know? I got you. So, um, I um, uh, sometimes you know. So to, to, to answer your question, um, I I don't want to say I'm always a yes man, but um, if it's for something for the good of like the song or the good of the show or the good of future work, I mean, I'm I'm I'll I'll I'll, I'll give a little uh to to get a little you know i yeah i'm more than willing to compromise here totally i get i mean i say that because i mean i'm a yes man myself like i I love to just i I like the idea of just like um using what i have to contribute to something to make someone else's ideas work or come to life or like i feel like i am and sometimes like you know you're talking about um you know how much like how many gigs you have like every year it's a lot um and that's why like i have you know like so many episodes or like you know why i'm so scatterbrained all the time because like you know i'm trying to get everything done and please everybody like in a in a timely and efficient way and uh you know sometimes like i you know sometimes i got to check myself with that but at the same time, like, I do feel really accomplished that, you know, I can broaden my horizons in a way that, you know, where I can satisfy, like, myself, my own needs, but also be able to, like, you know, platform or help or otherwise work with others. Um, and, and that's why I love breaking and entering is because it allows me to be a yes man, but in a way that everyone wins, because, like, but it, because like we get to do it on our own since it's DIY, we do it all on like our own time. It's like yeah. when it, it gets done, when it gets done, but we know it's going to get done. Sure. So everyone who's dropped in music, you know, when you send me something, it will get covered. It just might have to be this day and not that day, oh. you know, it's based on, you know, what, what our, uh, our uh, pile of work looks like that week, you know? Sure. And this year is, I mean, this is the year where deadlines basically went away. Yeah. Uh, for like, for like creative output, I mean like, you know, a lot of other 
deadlines and stresses that you know that that we're all feeling. Bills, but yeah, bills, elections, Jesus. Uh, can't, wait. can't wait till it's over. Really? But um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's hard, you know. And like going back to the yes man and pleasing people, that's something I struggle with a lot. I'm not a fighter. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm really not. Um, and I, uh, but on top of that, I hate making mistakes. Hate it. So like when I'm like, um, you know, I'd like to put out more content like on um, on my Instagram and like maybe a YouTube thing. Um, I even have a website. I have an actual website uh, that I have barely promoted because I'm trying to limit social media use because it's just, uh, you know, I definitely, I hit a place with it this year that I had to, to step away from a lot of it, you know, and that's, that's a, in my opinion, I think that's a pretty entitled thing to say. Um, but it's, you know, um, when it comes to like, for me putting out content on like uh, my Instagram, I, I try to record something. I would hear the tiniest mistake and I would freak out and say, Nope, gotta do it again. Gotta do it again. Gotta do it again. Gotta do it again. And then like something that is like literally a minute long, if I'm spending three hours trying to record something and then it's just like kind of what the hell have I done with these last three hours? And then like. Fuck it, I'm gonna go. I don't know, binge watch something. You know, uh, you know that that happened a lot this year. But you know, and then like when I was having kind of like this existential uh, crisis of playing in time to a metronome. You know, like I don't have perfect time, and I definitely wasn't having a good time. Uh, <laughs> you know, doing that, and that's when I was talking to Devin. And he's like, dude, like you're not playing music if you're just playing with a fucking metronome, man. Like, don't forget the things that you love doing on the instrument like what like what are you listening to and i listed a couple of things like good just play that record yourself playing to that you know and whatever i mean because then if you post in stuff where you're really being yourself and not giving a fuck i mean you people see your ethos you know me, other musicians see your ethos people that people will be attracted to it when they see that you love what you're putting out if you're putting something out out of fear you know like I was going to record myself a video of myself playing along to this weird metronome app and it wasn't going well. So I'm like, why would I want to record myself doing that? You know, why would I want people to see, to see this? I mean, it feels like, you know, we have, there's so much information overload that you want to put out something that's absolutely perfect. It doesn't matter if it's real. It just has to be perfect. You know? So I don't know. I guess I'm, uh, you know, spending the rest of the year just, really just rediscovering um sticking to my ethos and not just towards someone else's conventions you know hey that's good uh and i I think it's a better time than ever to do that with you know just such a um you know like you said you know with deadlines in a lot of ways to sort of like diminishing with all the uncertainty and unpredictability of everything that's going on um it's your time to really bask in like what you need and what you want and like what how you want to continue challenge yourself personally and uh, i'd say um you know that's something i've tried to do in my own ways too and uh, i hope everyone has the opportunity to so they can come out on the other side with like hey these are my new boundaries or these are my new uh capabilities you know i have more capacity to do this but less capacity to do that yeah so and you know and it's like you know using what you love in your art or your craft or your any of that uh use it to replenish um but then you know it's also about doing what you can in your community too and you know that's that's something i should be doing more of you know yeah well yeah. We can always be doing more in some ways. So, thanks for being on the show, Nick. This is fun. Thank you, dude. We'll talk to you soon. All right? Yeah, but before we um, before we go, mm-hmm. uh, I ask everyone the same two questions on our way out. First is uh, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Uh, uh, well, on a joking note, I have this Yahtzee app that keeps me up for a while. I've been my girlfriend and I are really into Yahtzee and. Oh, she doesn't fun. want to play anymore because she thinks I've been practicing too much. Um, but I guess something that keeps me up at night, uh, um, feeling like, did I do enough today? Did I do something today? And, you know, is, uh, you know, this obviously the next two weeks are going to keep me up a lot. Uh, you know, especially what, what they're trying to do next week. Um, but, uh, and is it, you know, 
are enough good people going to stand up to do the right thing? You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Uh, well, a good Yahtzee score uh, on the app is a thing. There you go. Night. And, um, you know, um, for me, it's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, that's what puts me to sleep is, uh, just knowing that it's uh, tomorrow's another day to do better, you know. Even if you already did good today, tomorrow's another day to do even better. Hell yeah, Nick! Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks again for being here, and uh, for everyone watching, uh, we tagging a lot of bands in their music because Nick plays in a lot of bands. But um, looking forward to hearing all the new recordings, new shows, hopefully one day. And uh, thank you for tuning in as always. Of course. We'll see you next time.